Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Monday, September 19th, which means it's Media Monday. Today, John Kelly and I dig into CNN's new look morning show and whether it can give Morning Joe a run for its money. And speaking of money, we also unpack Amazon's first ever NFL broadcast, what worked and what needs work. We'll hear about all that and more in today's episode of Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The ChiliPad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com. Dot M-E slash powers, because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Happy Monday, everybody. It's Media Monday, if it's Monday, and I'm joined today by the boss man, John Kelly, to talk about all things media. How are you doing, John? I'm good, Peter, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to see you on location in the in the great state of North Carolina, bringing some some puck splendor. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you haven't figured this out, listeners, we actually record Media Monday right before Monday, so uh, it is the it is the weekend. I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, with my college friends, uh, and it is absolutely beautiful down here. And we uh, don't get this kind of like crisp early autumn weather in Los Angeles, so I'm definitely. Uh, what's the onion article? Oh, Man of Fall, Mr. Autumn Man. That's that's me this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see your your cable knit game. I'm I'm gonna be uh, stalking your Instagram for it. I do love a chunky sweater. Um anyway, John, I want to talk to you about some big CNN news that somehow Dylan Byers didn't break uh that went down this week. You know, Dylan gotta do better, man. Um <laughs> CNN uh gave a handout to the New York Times, uh basically announcing what we had been expecting, which was Chris Licht revamping CNN's morning show. It's an interesting lineup. Um, So basically, John Berman and Brianna Keeler host it now. It's called New Day. Uh, They're going to get other jobs at the network, presumably. Licht and CNN announced that the new morning show, the New Look morning show, is going to be fronted by Don Lemon, primetime star at CNN, 
Caitlin Collins, White House correspondent, Alabama fan, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. Poppy Harlow. Who I went to college with. Oh, you did? Interesting. She was always super nice to me when I was at CNN. Anyway, curious what your thoughts are on this. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a, it got a lot of blowback on Twitter, which is to be expected, um, but Twitter also sucks. Um, what do you think, particularly about Don Lemon, who a lot of people thought might be on the chopping block at CNN for the same reasons that Brian Stelter was, for example, because he was a very loud, opinionated, anti-Trump primetime host and was sort of part of that Zucker era of, you know, turning up the volume at CNN and getting into partisanship and opinion a lot more uh, on the part of the hosts. So not only was he not fired, he theoretically gets a promotion uh, and he's going to be fronting the morning show. Yeah. There are a couple of things that are going on here that are really interesting to see play out. First of all, we knew this was going to happen. I think we're beginning to see Lick learn the sort of executive stylings of, of David Zaslav, which is to really point in the direction that you're going in so that your executive moves become less and less surprising. Dylan reported a couple weeks ago, I guess maybe it was last week, that Brianna Keeler had, had been just like more like ostensibly insecure in that spot in the morning. And that there were some, um, you know, that it, her position in network, I think, is, is um, one that's been in, in, increasingly scrutinized. She was a, also a, a member of the sort of fulsome anti-Trump brigade. Not surprisingly, Lick brought in Ryan Cadro, uh, who is going to redo the morning. And they're doing a couple of things here, right? They're making the morning show younger. Caitlin Collins is, is possibly the biggest star at the network. Poppy Harlow is great TV. Don Lemon has a personality that is bigger than this sort of anodyne primetime. And, and let's be honest here. Like, I think, I think Lemon uh, has probably peaked in his primetime prowess, not just because we're either after Trump or in between Trump. He's not fresh there and it's not fresh programming. So this was an elegant solution and they're probably, you know, they're, they're paying him a little bit more, uh, I believe, and it's a very long-term deal. So it kills two birds with one stone. And I think something else is happening too, which is I feel pretty comfortably predicting that that primetime is going to be completely overhauled. You know, they, they've kept 9 p.m. open for months and months. Yeah, this leaves two slots open in primetime. Two slots open and if if Lemon, who's this gregarious, gossipy, really fun guy that like everyone who knows him loves him, he should be doing the morning. He, he shouldn't be, uh, you know, wearing a tie at 10 p.m. reading serious news. It makes you wonder how much longer Anderson Cooper is going to want to do this. It makes you wonder if, if there's a different future for, for Aaron Burnett. But we've sort of been, uh, you know, hoeing and humming along, you and I, for the last number of months, suggesting that. CNN in primetime is going to be vectored towards some kind of BBC America look where you have less expensive, competent, sane, non-controversial people reading the news of the day from the prompter, whether that is severe weather, political news. Hopefully they do a, a better job of it than the um, CNBC product that Shep Smith is doing. But I think that actually there's a like network light kind of, um, uh, I keep thinking of BBC or, or ITV or one of those European shows that um, just seems credible, unspectacular, slick, but not sexy and cheap. And the truth is that it doesn't matter if New Day works or not. About a million people watch New Day, a fraction of that in the demo. It's not as big as Morning Joe. It's not as big as Fox and Friends. And I think outside of uh, a bunch of political shops on K Street who have the show on mute, it's probably a lot of um, liberal grandmas who are watching it. And Lick just needs something that's going to compete. Doesn't even have to rate anymore. It just has to be what CBS program was, which was competent, respectable, and um, there's still enough money in in morning advertising that uh, being a, a decent third place is, is okay if the finances work out. 
Yeah. This New York Times piece says, Mr. Licht has said ratings are not a top priority. If CNN has a strong journalistic reputation, he can attract blue chip advertisers, he has told associates. And Dylan has sort of written about this too, that Malone and and Zaslav and Licht are just like kind of gesturing toward the idea that this is a reputational product at this point and not a big moneymaker, which is true. We'll see. I mean, advertisers have always mattered for cable news, but sure. And they need revenue too. Like make no mistake about it. They they need revenue. Um, But you said something else interesting, which is like mentioning that Don is, he's just a very like social animal. And remember Chris um, came to prominence engineering Morning Joe, which is this sort of like not morning cocktail party without the cocktails, right? It's just like a, like a salon where people are sort of gabbing and there's good chemistry. And you're right, like he might fit into that. And this is something else that I think is smart that Chris did. And this is also in the New York Times article. The Times piece says, in statements, the three new anchors played up the off-the-air bonds that they have forged over the years. Mr. Lemon called Miss Harlow and Miss Collins his, quote, dearest friends. Poppy is quoted saying she loves Don. Caitlin is saying she loves Don. Don is saying he loves Caitlin and Poppy. And so- I like, think that's actually I, all true though. No, I do. No, no, totally. I, I, I'm saying that is true. And it's smart on Chris's part because he, with Morning Joe, maybe he stumbled into this there, but like, you know, obviously Joe and Mika had chemistry yeah. to the point where yeah, uh, no <laughs> they, they got married to each other. Uh, and later, you know, with CBS This Morning, he was able to sort of pull off that same kind of on-air chemistry with a with a weird trio, you, you would think. It was Charlie Rose, Gail King, and Nora O'Donnell, but it worked. And so Don and Caitlin and Poppy, like if they have natural rapport, like that stuff will come through on screen. And I remember Jeff Zucker came in to CNN and before the Trump show, his number one priority, because he's a Today Show guy, was revamping the morning show. And he like hyped the fact that this morning show would compete with like the network morning shows and it would be huge and big. And for the talent, he got Chris Cuomo and he got Kate Baldwin. And one of those reporters is a delightful person, a really good reporter, um, very kind and decent. And the other one uh, gets in fights at bars with people who call him Fredo. And they did not get along. <laughs> and the morning show suffered as a consequence. It never really took off. And so, you know, Licht is here basically saying these people are going to have chemistry and he's not like tr- pretending that they're going to compete with like Good Morning America and the Today Show. So yeah, and it's a different world too. In the era of sort of Matt Lauer, you know, I guess it's towards the end of the Lauer Couric era. The Today Show, I recall, was a $500 million revenue line of business for NBC Universal, And there was this belief inside 30 Rock that it was all going to end after Lauer, who was making like $25 million a year. Obviously, Lauer was thrown out of the cultural balcony after all, you know, being Me Too'd in, into oblivion. And it turns out that he was replaced by Savannah and Hoda, who make a fraction of that. And they've been able to manage the decline of the show uh, as it's become, you know, less of a revenue generator. CNN makes about a billion dollars. So that's as a brand, as a, you know, a large unit of Warner Brothers Discovery. It's it's 2X like 2010 Today Show, which is just sort of a, a, a remarkable thing to behold to realize like, okay, so the what happens in the morning isn't really going to be that big of a deal. Like Licked is right. You know, Don does really well. Uh, uh, you know, Poppy and, and Caitlin Collins are value additive, although they're they're you know, just given their age and and how they've grown up at CNN, um, they're not you know making what I would imagine is is Savannah or or Hoda money. And uh, I think one thing you're going to see also from Licked is 
they had this during the height of the MSNBC versus CNN, you know, Trump hysteria. Uh, each network was was actively building like an armada of paid contributors. And I think that era is over. The end of the Jeffrey Tubins uh, suggests that these shows will be populated by hometown talent. And that's fine. The whole thing's going to be less expensive. And it just has to make sense. And I imagine it's the beginning of the real licked shakeout. He seems to be gesturing towards the idea that there's a lot of talent inside CNN. He's going to utilize that. He's going to get rid of people who aren't on his side. It's just going to be uh, a less expensive version of what it used to be. And tough shit if you don't like it. Yeah, and I and I hope the contributor thing comes true, John. I mean, I, I think that's long been kind of a waste of money. I mean, some people might tune in for their favorite political contributors on their favorite panels, but like there are so many more voices in the country and the world that are available for free to come on CNN yeah. and talk about whatever. And also it's just like, this is another sort of pockmark on the Zucker era, like early on when they like were paying Trump sycophants as contributors, like it was like not only like, a journalistic malpractice. It was just like a waste of money. And I remember there was like a New York Times Magazine profile about Zucker and CNN and how Trump like saved CNN. And <laughs> CNN was sending a black car four days a week to take Jeffrey Lord, this like Trump oh bozo. God. Oh my from, God. Literally, they sent a ta- black town car four days a week to drive him oh from God. Manhattan to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and back. Three hours each way. So like, just like imagine like what that costs alone, like a black car, four days a week, three hour drive across Pennsylvania, that would pay for three like 22 year old reporters like out in the country somewhere, you know, just like so stupid. There's this natural narrative of, of, uh, you know, licked versus the sort of what would Jeff Zucker do? He knew as well as anyone in the height of the Lord town car era that like this was all going to be going away at some point. And he leaned into the idea that you could that you could um, milk some uh, EBITDA out of those years. So I don't think that Licht is is um, doing anything that's revolutionary there. Where the rubber will hit the road, though, is if these moves do actually lead to um, highly producible, enjoyable television, you know, to, to cultural products that that connect with people. Because if if that morning shows a dud, it might be. You know, we don't know. Um, and if if the the talent that um, you know the programming at nine and ten doesn't work out as bad as it is over across the street at MSNBC, he will have to account for that. So as as, uh, as our homie Dylan does like to point out, the cutting part is the easy part. It's the building part that um, that he'll be judged for, and and um, and that era of uh, the Lick regime has officially begun. All right, John. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NFL's debut on Amazon and what your thoughts were on that. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, John, on Thursday night, last Thursday, the NFL made its debut on a tech platform, Amazon. It was a barn burner of a game. The Chiefs beat the Chargers 27-24. 
I don't know, John, do we have ratings for this? Are they even going to release ratings? Like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work uh, in terms of like judging audiences from these streaming platforms that are increasingly hosting big sports leagues. But beyond that, like, what did you make of the of the content? I think they're, they're going to sell like 45 million rolls of toilet paper from this, which is which means that it's, it's an unadulterated success. Peter, I got a lot of thoughts, man. I watched this game in its entirety. And I was actually even taking notes in preparation for our conversation because we were texting during this. And um, thought one, just very discombobulating to see Jeff Bezos cavorting around Arrowhead Stadium where the game was played, looking so unbelievably jacked, so unbelievably Botox with Lauren Sanchez. He was sitting next to um, Commissioner Goodell. And Lauren Sanchez's uh, ex-husband, Tony Gonzalez, was leading the Amazon sideline crew along with Richard Sherman and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was phenomenal, actually, as a, a color commentator. Harvard man. Harvard man, that's right. And um, uh, Stanford man, Harvard man, and then Andrew Whitworth um, played for the— it was a- LSU. LSU alum, baby. Go Tigers. That's right. And, uh, and Super Bowl champion, um, who has to be told that you cannot, in 2022, pull off the sweatshirt under sport jacket look. It's just a, <laughs> just a terrible, terrible look. My dad will love this commentary because it's a long running fascination of his, like how bad professional athletes are in former professional athletes at dressing. Like John this Smoltz was, a- was the worst offender for baseball for a long time, but just like, Someone get a style consultant stat. <laughs> now, this was chilling. And, and actually, that was a, a detail. There, there were many small details that, that made you appreciate how well NBC and ESPN do, do pull this off. And Amazon, we'll get there, but they have the, you know, a bit of work cut out for them. Um, uh, Al Michaels was in the booth. He did great, as you'd expect. He was joined by Kirk Herbstreet, who is, uh, you know, does, uh, has done college games for ESPN for 20 years at this point. A couple of, like, unsolicited programming thoughts from somebody who's never uh, programmed an hour of television— Michaels was great, but there were a lot of shots that um, the NBC would have never used that, that Amazon did. He was alone in front of the camera too often. Um, he was always with Collinsworth after the even mid-opening um, monologue on, on NBC. And he opened the game himself here, which was just sort of uncomfortable. You, you could see him reading from the teleprompter, which obviously he can do as well as anyone. The chemistry with Kirk will get better. Kirk's credibility calling an NFL game is, um, uh, is, is you know, considerable, but he— he seemed obviously less comfortable than, than in college where he's made his money. Um, Clarissa Ward was fantastic. Fitzpatrick was great. Richard Sherman is going to be great. He is such a- I was going to ask aptitude. about that. Yeah, what was he like? This is his first broadcasting job, right? First broadcasting job. I actually think that he shouldn't be at the table in the sidelines. He should be uh, on the field in the sort of role that like Tony Saragusa used to be in like behind the end zone because um, he's- Incredibly smart guy, obviously one of the you know one of the greatest cornerbacks of of our generation you know, that our generation seen, and you want him to be like closer to the action so that he can actually provide like real analysis in real time rather than being at the table. You know, it's funny Gonzalez, who's so CBS, like he so speaks in the Nance cadence and you know really says the the most generic things in the most highfalutin way. Um, I think if these if these um, streamers want to do do the games, I just hope they won't do a simulacrum of, of network. What works the best, I think you and I would agree, with televised NFL games now are the people like Tony Roma who broke in the mold. You know, it's things like the Manning cast where you're, you know, oh, look, a lot of people watch the game and, and put the, the volume off, right? But for those who want to keep it on, do something different. Romo has extraordinary enthusiasm and he's literally like bringing you into the huddle, into the audibles. The Mannings are are having the sort of conversation that you might have, that you might dream of if you were in, you know, uh, the owner's box or in a former player's box. And this seemed like it was uh, it was a cookie cutter 
of a um, uh, Madden Summerall style game. You know, a lot of X and Oing in the in the top. A, a lot of you know. Now this guy says something for ninety seconds. Now this guy says something. Everyone nods at each other a lot and says, "Yeah, yeah, I totally agree." Uh, Herbert's great. So um, they will get there, but it's coming. Is the was the real thing that I sort of wrote in my notebook at the end? Apple, Amazon. I don't know how Netflix is going to be able to resist this. At some point, the, the NFL is going, you know, it is television now. Like sports and news is all that is really left besides a couple of those, you know, NCIS shows. And football is now having a bite of every apple. It's clear that it's going to define the market. The NFL, as we've discussed before, is totally willing and will one day be able to do this all itself. And what it's, you know, sort of figuring out now is this consensual tickle fest with uh, the Apples and Amazons in the world to figure out, all right, well, the only way we won't do this is if you seduce us not to with all your extraordinary, unbelievable cash. And one day it seems likely that there's just no way that whatever Paramount becomes at that point or whatever ESPN is at that point, there's no chance to be able to compete with Apple, a company worth three trillion, and Amazon, a company worth a, a trillion and a half. So this game, to me, was just you know pointing in that direction and seeing Goodell and, and Bezos together. And honestly, at this point, Bezos is like thicker and more jacked than Goodell. Um, wow! Uh, it just yeah, no, no. Seriously, check it out. This is adjacent to a conversation I was having in my college basketball text thread with a motley crew: uh, uh, Jonathan Martin, New York Times; Tucker Martin, a former Republican strategist in Virginia; Scott Conroy, my my best bro, screenwriter, former journalist, and Tim Miller, uh, best-selling New York Times author, Tim Miller. We like to text <laughs> about Tim college Miller. basketball. We love Tim Miller. Um, also bestie bro. Um, J-Mart is, Jonathan Martin, New York Times, fascinated by- The 12th man on the Kentucky basketball team. <laughs> that, 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 yes. But um, he, has a, he has a good appreciation for like the intersection of like sports and like regional- culture and like that's why we love college football and college basketball but like we were texting about NFL and just like it's cultural resonance and like like I'm just going to read some of his texts and just like says <laughs> exactly what you're saying no it's just like he's like I'll, I'll do it in Jmart voice too like football thing is fascinating man there's something there it's like the last big shared institution the scale of it just wild nothing close beyond sports top 10 <laughs> rated anything on TV is all NFL and then like like he makes another good point too. Like further down in, in this in this text thread, he's like, "I wish everyone here listening knew knew uh, J Mark because this is an unbelievable impersonation. This is, this is unbelievable." All right, so like last thing, not niche. It's not by politics or class or race or religion. More like what else is like that? Nothing. Like I wonder what happens like to TV. He's saying when like football goes away. Like we were like when when the platforms get their hands totally on football. Like TV is like I know we talk about the decline of linear but after that it's like toast and like he's right like the mass tune in for football no matter what is just vast and i know that's like an obvious statement but it just like blows me away every single game like millions of people will would rather watch dolphins commanders like instead of like any most anything else on television which is wild my sneaky suspicion and and sort of fear um regarding the uh the jmart thesis is that you know we're living through a completely overdue reckoning in college football you know where um for generations coaches you know like saban have been making eight figure salaries 
while their players make nothing. And, and that's incrementally changing with this name, image, likeness uh, opportunity that allows the, the, the kids who, I, in my mind, should have always been compensated to, to truly experience that because I, I don't know if getting a degree from the University of Alabama is more valuable than, than the University of Alabama um, having Bryce Young a quarterback. Did you watch the Alabama-Texas game? Like, Bryce Young, the quarterback for Alabama, was in a Dr. Pepper commercial during the game. I know that the new NCAA rules allow you to like peddle your like brother's sneaker company or your dad's car dealership or whatever, but yeah. that was like the first like a lot of it. mass market like TV ad for a college athlete I had seen. I'm sure there's been others. I just hadn't seen it before, and I was like, oh wow, we're we're in a new era. It's staggering. I think he made two million dollars before he even stepped on the field last year at Alabama. You're right. That is going to be managed. It's a, it's an open market. And it's going to change. But the remaking of the conferences is happening before our very eyes. The the, the pack what was once the Pac-10, now the Pac-12, and now it has very few teams because it's being eaten up by the Big Ten and, and the SEC is, you know, where Alabama plays is eating up the Big 12. It seems like this is all headed in to one place, which is basic. this is basically sort of like a sort of Yugoslavia of college football. And we're going to see the platforms, I think, going to these conferences and playing a meaningful role in what the divvying up looks like. That um, and I, I, this is not based on any inside information. This is just a prediction. And in the next five years, you will see whether it's Apple or Amazon or, or maybe it's more about Discovery. Hey, Big Ten, we know that you're making $700 million a year on your deal with ESPN and via the Big Ten Network. We're going to broadcast all your games and give you $2 billion a year. And we're going to add in Notre Dame, Syracuse, Boston College, whatever else. Like, I, I, I'm very convinced that uh, this is a for-profit experiment and it's going to be totally remade by the biggest companies uh, in our economy. This is not the end state. It's going to keep evolving. And there's so much money in this. You know, we, we forget the NFL is the biggest sport in this country by a bajillion percent. Number two is not the NBA. It's college football. And the, the sports rights um, go through the conferences in many cases. And what happens if the conferences are no mas? You know, um, so we'll... Uh, there's a lot of money on the table. There sure is, man. Um, I love talking about sports with you, by the way. Let's do more sports. I'm sure I'm sure all the puck fans would just love to hear us talk about sports all the time. <laughs> it's, uh, I think Thursday night, uh, Amazon is in Cleveland next week. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pencil that in the calendar. All right, great. We can do a, a Kelly Hamby cast, like a Manning cast or something. <laughs> Amazon, hire that, us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, we're like, yeah, we're talking about like Richard Sherman's outfits. <laughs> um, all right, man. Have a great week. All right. You too, buddy. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13.